this is um, a new thing. This is a new format. We're doing something new. I'm live right now, and it's not a Sunday, which is crazy. But basically, um, folks familiar with the Hashgraph Enthusiast Show, um, traditionally it's every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and it's news and rumors and all that good stuff. And um, last year, this new element of the show uh, came into the fold, which was interviews. I started having guests on the show. Um, and as the ecosystem has continued to develop as, you know, so the, the, just the, the community has continued to mature, the shows keep getting longer and longer. So as I was letting people know on, uh, last Sunday, and then I published a video to my, to my, uh, X feed of splitting up the show. So instead of trying to cram everything together on Sunday, we need some breathing room. And also, too, um, good guests need uh, some flexibility. I mean, Matt is usually asleep when we're doing the show on Sundays. So going forward, interviews are going to be happening at all sorts of different times. So you're going to want to stay tuned. But rest assured, the news remains at the regular time on Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Um, and really it's, you know, it's, uh, because of contributions to the show, support of the community, everything continues to grow and, uh, there's lots to do. We're getting close to hundred episodes. Um, and I'm putting in a bunch of changes to the show. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to it. So with that, good afternoon from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, AKA it's Brandon D. It is Friday, September 1st, and you're listening to episode 90 of the Hashgraph Enthusiast Show, an interview with Matt Smithies, CTO of Dovu, live on Spaces. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other platforms to hear past episodes, including the recording of today's conversation. Also, as I said, catch the weekly news every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and Get everything you need to know about the show at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. And for folks listening live now, take a moment, share the spaces with your friends. And if you've got an interesting question for our guest today, click the comment button at the bottom right. And if it's super duper interesting, I'll ask Matt live on the show and we'll see what Matt has to say. No guarantees and no dumb questions allowed. That's my job. Um, and for folks listening to the recording, leave a comment, break down your thoughts on what we talk about today. Let's keep the conversation going after the show. Now, as usual with my guests, Matt has no idea what I'm about to ask him. Um, I don't do a lot of pre-interview stuff or questions in advance or anything. So I appreciate every guest that I have kind of just coming into this. It's a conversation. We're going to see how it goes. Um, and really, as we kick it off, Matt, basically, uh, my first question is kind of like, how are you doing? And what's the most interesting thing happening in your life right now? I would probably say that the most interesting thing happening in my life now is probably sleep. Sleep is great at the moment when I can sleep. <laughs> I have to agree. I have to agree with you there. <laughs> um, no, yeah, um, lots is going on. Obviously, um, between Dobu, um, obviously um, my own stuff I do, but oh my God. I'm loving my ducklings. Do you, do you know the story Your ducklings? ducklings? What's going on with the ducklings? Let's touch on that real so, quick. 
yeah, like, so it's, it's kind of insane because um, this year has been a roller coaster. There's been the ups and downs. I got um, was I got married to Little Einstein. We we've been together for like eighteen years almost. We went on a honeymoon. We moved into a house and all this kind of insanity. And what actually happened when we were away is that a mummy duck flew in into our garden and laid her eggs. And because we have this like six foot wall garden, there is no way for these ducklings to get out. And so we need to like buy the mealworms and we need to buy the food and we need to make sure that the seagulls don't steal the ducklings and eat them and all this thing. And so this has been going on for the last eight weeks. Um, and so, yeah, that it's kind of been interesting because I've kind of brought it into Dover a little bit and um, in, in, like trying to make this almost mock biodiversity carbon credits based off my real life experience of trying to take care of little ducklings. That's so crazy. And I, I, I did you share a picture of the ducks or something? I, I remember something regarding ducks that you had shared recently somewhere. Yeah, I posted a video of the ducks on Galaxy. I don't think I don't know if I posted anything on Twitter, but um, if anyone has kind of seen the little demo of Dovu, you can kind of see me talk about my ducks a little bit and create a little AI document about duck ducklings. It's all nonsense, but at the end of the day, you could have fun with what you do. I, I love that. That's what it's about, especially right now in the bear market. Is like if there's any opportunity for fun or experimentation, that's that's always the best. And congratulations to you and 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 your wife. I got married recently as well. I think that people were joking about that in a Discord or two here and there. So, uh, huge congratulations to you. Big uh, big life change. And I guess. You're you're all settled in the new house now and everything with with uh, with your new duck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so <laughs> there are six ducks. We're we're obviously getting second. Oh duck, wow! But yeah, there's, there's, so, so so basically the way it works. Obviously, we've talked about duck. We'll we'll move on soon, though, everyone. Um, but there were originally thirteen ducks, but now there's only. Uh, ducklings and there's only five ducklings because they get taken and they die and all this kind of stuff oh my um, goodness so we li we literally have six ducklings in the garden trying to learn how to fly to kind of fly away um but yeah um generally speaking you know we're, we're getting more settled um you know like, like like anything time feels like it's speeding up um but you know with everything with Dave and work it's keeping me very very busy um but yeah just trying to find a balance in life really like anyone else yeah that's that's all we can do now talking about work let's get into your work at Dovu we got a lot to talk about um and I guess one of the best ways to start this off is something Rob Allen said recently um on the last episode of the H-Bar Bull Show that uh the other Brandon hosts Fantastic show. Rob Allen has a segment on it. Rob Allen being a, um, a, uh, in, in a, a innovations lead at the Hashgraph Association effectively. And what Rob Allen spoke to was a question from the community of these, these, so the, these so-called quiet projects, right? And Dovu was mentioned specifically, and it was, you know, some projects in the ecosystem that have maybe been here for a while have gone a little quiet. Dovu has gone a little quiet. 
Um, you know, what's going on with those? Is, is it is it Dover? You know what I mean? And so Rob Allen said, um, just because a project is quiet doesn't mean that there aren't things happening. He specifically cited um, the work that you guys are doing, contributing to the open source guardian and all that kind of stuff. And I just wanted to kind of throw it to you to kind of continue that train of thought just as the CTO of Dovu, of the opinion from folks on the outside, maybe thinking things are a little quiet at Dovu. But the reality is, is especially recently, you guys have a lot happening, which we're going to talk about. But maybe just speaking to that sentiment of having a project go a little quiet. What does that what does that mean? And what do what do things look like on the back end? Oh, <laughs> Oh, I, I think given, you know, crypto, given, like, I understand from the outside because, you know, you, you're, you're trying to buy into projects and you just want to be involved. You want to know that it's moving forward. You, you, you want to be part of it and you want to be part of it effectively a movement. Um, but the reality is if projects are quiet that means priorities are shifted um all of us know that during a bear uh, bull market even you know when everyone is excited every, every numbers are going up you know everyone is basically a genius um and i think everyone kind of falls into that trap of you know this is what's going to be like forever until it isn't but with 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 Dovu, you know, we have spent a long, long time building out, you know, our platform specifically. You know, for years, this idea of the order trail using the Guardian, where every single actor could be tracked and visible. You could go to projects and actually see this like timeline of events and something that has happened over the last six months probably six to eight months is that trying to be involved in more groups and really understand what the problems are and what everyone has witnessed over the last week tokens obviously to one side is a result of the hard work from inception to design to development of the direction you know we are going Dover is going the project is going and the problems we are trying to solve um it's like galaxy for instance they were super quiet for a very long time well according to me because obviously i'm an outside person and then they just drop the app one day. Um, yeah, I hope that kind of answers the question to a no, degree. That's that's a that's a great thing. It's just I think it was on a lot of people's minds, and clearly, Dovu's not quiet anymore. There's a lot of stuff happening, but I think that you know Rob Allen being asked that question, you know, just saying you know this is just the nature of things, and Galaxy is a great example. I think that we're going to see a lot of these different types of things, especially in this bear market of. Things that might appear a little quiet on the outside, but I think that you made a great point is sometimes that's an indicator that priorities have shifted. And um, you've mentioned just on that, you've mentioned many times that 
Um, the vision and scope of Dovu has changed quite a bit over the last year or two. Um, and you've expressed a lot of excitement around that. We're going to talk about some of those things specifically, but um, can you elaborate a little bit on that and kind of why the community might be excited as well, just generally, because I think that a lot of people, um, you know, the original investors in Dovu, people that might have not been keeping up with everything over the last few months or so, things have definitely shifted. And maybe you could speak just to the sentiment of that and maybe give an idea of what the scope of that shift is um, or, or kind of like, you know, give people a, a sense of how things have changed. Um, Cause it's, it feels like it's pretty fundamental in the project. Yeah. I, 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 I think, I think I can kind of speak to that. I'm going to kind of put that to one side though, for a second, if you don't mind. Sure. I kind of want to give everyone a vision of like the calls I'm in the 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 um areas not necessarily areas but like but the conversations i have and so there are effectively let, let's let's consider two main groups that i'm involved with at the moment um think of these as just kind of r d calls um just general like where is sustainability going where is carbon going? Where are all these things going? So on one side, we have, you know, the Guardian community, which, you know, is effectively led and facilitated by a WES. We all love WES. And in that community, we all know that it's Hedera-driven. Um, occasionally, other people come in. I mean, more and more people being attracted to it, you know, like flow um and there are a lot of interesting um conversations happening there inside of that community there's also a vocabulary group which tries to break down what vocabulary should be used for this particular industry and but so so there's that set of people right i'm going somewhere with this i promise but inside inside of that there could be maybe 30, 40, 50, 60 different projects, you know, involved within the Guardian, who are building with the Guardian, who are trying to experiment with that. And then on the other kind of side, you have this group of um, individuals. Well, it's, it's not a group of individuals, but it's what's called an activator. And it's the Ecological Benefits Framework Activator. And it was started by this company called The Lexicon. And they're funded by Google, Microsoft, XRP, other entities. And what they've, what they've started to do is to actually build out a general framework for language that the entire industry should use. And for kind of sustainability. And when we talk about this, we don't talk about just ESG or just carbon or carbon credits because there has been so much, you know, bad press um, of greenwashing. You know, I'm using all this language and I don't I don't I don't think that everyone should understand it. But long story short is there are these different entities. The on the EBF side there is I swear, 
90 to 100 companies involved in this trying to shape this language for the future so that everyone can use the same language and not only use the same language but to connect carbon credits to all the side benefits from equity um, to communities and you know even biodiversity and so if you have this shared language language instead of shared vernacular it becomes a very potent device for people to understand what you're trying to achieve and if many projects can do that then you have this kind of sense of consensus consensus effectively that, that that's the goal so now i've been sitting here for the last six to eight months back you know february whatever january and i see this but that but i see i see a big gaping hole you could have the language you could have the frameworks you can have you know all these interesting cool things but if there's no way for a new supplier to understand what they should do for their first steps that everything is basically mute and void you know right so it's there's there's that initial barrier that we're gonna that we're gonna talk about because I think you're referring kind of to that carbon credit yeah. onboarding that I'm gonna be really excited to talk about. But that's a great way to illustrate this as it's it's this it's the same as if you describe working up the stack, right? It's you get to a certain exactly. point where you need the you need the end user experience to be easy enough to at least get into that flywheel. So that's a great way to look at this is you've you've identified a pain point which is yeah the person sitting at their computer trying to onboard. Exactly. And there are pl- there, there's like obviously Timeless have released this kind of platform for onboarding credits. There are other projects who are going down the onboarding route, but I haven't seen any other example of anyone trying to solve the first mile. And if you can solve the first mile, you can onboard millions of tons of carbon and you can well potentially you know everything needs to be tested but this is a path forward to scale any kind of green ecological or carbon credit going forward and that is potentially huge and that is generally where our focus is for the next two to three years that's very exciting so i think that yes throughout these last months being able to see this development happen and where dovo can come in and accelerate these efforts is important and we're gonna we're gonna get into some really interesting stuff stuff very soon but um two other things i just wanted to touch on real quick is of course people saw the news a couple weeks ago or a month or so that dovo now as a new ceo um christina um Oliva, previously a director and advisor at Dovu since day one. Um, and just curious, you know, definitely having a new um, head of the company, um, you know, how has this transition been going so far? 
um, kind of is there is 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 her appointment as CEO driving some of these new directions, or or I'm I'm just curious as to the, how that transition is going. So Chris um, has always been CEO of uh, Dovi. Um, she was there when I joined. She's she's a she's a co-founder. She is utterly brilliant. She's a bilingual lawyer. Um, wow. Yeah. And like she she is extremely intelligent. And I'm thankful that she is going to be at the helm. She's going to be the one there to kind of steer the ship, as it were. Um, my my role is to do whatever I can to support her and to basically drive this change, this vision that we all have. This is, you know, it's exciting to begin and we I work very well together. And I'm, you know, like anything with her, with her in charge, I'm expecting, um, not necessarily, I'm expecting everything to be a lot more efficient and a lot more, um, focused. Right. That, that really touches on kind of a theme that I'm sensing from you guys is, and especially in these recent weeks, a renewed sense of that kind of focus and efficiency and, and especially some of the stuff that you sent to me earlier today, like, um, that's definitely coming through and, and a big component of that, just taking it before we really dive into it, just taking a, a one last quick pit stop is I want to kind of get some of these overarching themes out of the way is obviously, um, you know, how you're leveraging AI and especially for the carbon credit onboarding, we're going to talk about that, but I wanted to just kind of take a minute to, to in general, as you know, just a, you know, a developer, an individual leveraging AI, um, for your work, um, what are the insights that you've gathered working at the intersection of kind of DLTs and AI, right? Ashgraph and GPT. And how has AI impacted your own work as a CTO and developer? Well, I probably first say that, I'm, you know, I'm probably more akin to being a chief prompt officer than I'm actually chief technology officer instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's think about AI. It's can be very powerful if deployed correctly. So like, like Google, you need to be able to ask it the right questions. Um, patches is on board. And when he got started, like he, he told you to tell me uh, on, on a call months ago, I think he told us Brandon on a call months ago that when he started, he, his, his productivity went through the roof. like that basically 10 X. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it's basically the same. I, what, what I, my, my general workflow, and this is kind of very nitty gritty is that I, I, I rarely type things. I basically try to dictate everything. And now with AI, I dictate to the AI and it sends me stuff back and I dictate it back. And, um, it's nice, but it's always like, it's, it isn't so much give me everything. It's more try to tease it out to kind of get what you're looking at, try, try to um, optimize for what you're trying to get out of it. So if you're trying to write a blog post, it's not going to write 
something good, but you can tease it so that it can um, be in a it be in a more teachable language that's more kind of um, conforming to kind of what you're trying to do. Um, system prompts are incredible, um, and if the people don't know what system prompts are, you basically launch your AI kind of GPT and you say, I want you to act as this role. And um, by doing that, it will automatically um, set itself up within that context. Um, I mean, there's lots to cover, really. I mean, I know you've been using it, but haven't you, Brandon? Oh, yeah, it's, it's honestly fantastic. I always kind of look at AI as a collaborator. Mm. Um, it's, you know, exactly. and, and, and as you're describing, giving it a persona and, and the way that I approach it a lot of times is I think one of the big challenges with AI is reminding yourself, like building that part of your brain that goes, oh, how could I leverage AI for this task that I have to do? It's remembering that it's in your toolbox because it's such a new thing. And a lot of workflows that I have are just, I've been doing for so long. So I always try to approach it as like. I'm working with a person and the work that I do with that person over a few, over a few days or a week, going back and forth, working out some kind of problem or developing some kind of document or whatever it is, taking that existing kind of workflow and you just kind of compress it into like 30 minutes, basically. And you collaborate on a project with another kind of entity that you give a persona to like, um, it's increased my workflow in a, in a huge way. So I can, I can relate to that as well. And it's also really nice because if, if you need to, I mean, if you need to execute less, you can spend more time thinking. And those moments, for me at least, are actually more important because you actually know that what you're doing, you're not going blind into the forest. Yeah. You can actually, well, you know, you can go above the trees and you're like, oh, is this right? And But then it's, it's almost interesting what I found is like, if you give the AI some context about saying, I, I, I want you to do this, I want you to act in this way, it will return something you're like, that's not right. And then you realize the way you communicate with it is wrong because it's almost like having a junior member of the team with you. It's like you need to be, in some cases, very explicit um, because it will miss details because you haven't actually told it the details that you kind of want it to kind of transform upon, you know. Um, and over time, all these things are going to improve. But it's it's we couldn't have built the solutions we have for Davy today twelve months ago, and so so much has changed in the last twelve months. It's unreal. That's incredible, and and that's something I've noticed too. Like a little byproduct of using AI is it it can sometimes it starts to like me show you ways that you can work better with people. Because that feedback loop is so tight, as you kind of said, is if you notice that the instructions you're giving or the information you're giving or the input you're giving isn't quite working, you're like, I do this with people sometimes. And having that really tight feedback loop, I think that leveraging AI makes you a better communicator. You know, I think that that's kind of a, a an element of that. And now this is this is all really exciting, but now I really want to get into it because you, you shared something interesting with me. Um, and it was funny because you said in a reply to my post on, uh, X yesterday, you said, uh, quote, honestly, we could talk about so much. It could be a multi-hour seminar. Even it's Brandon D has no idea. Um, and 
I assume that the stuff that I have no idea about is the link that you sent me just before the show. And I want to kind of, I think it's time to spill the beans here. And are you referring to the Dovu roadmap that we're going to talk about? Uh, yes, maybe. Well, the secret roadmap, that definitely is not public on a public website somewhere. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to talk about it. So, um, Matt sent me a link before the show. It's the Dovu roadmap. Um, it will be available soon, but there's a couple elements of it. I gave it a read through. I know you're excited about a few elements of it. Um, and for anyone listening now, if you have friends or people in the ecosystem, that are curious about what Dovu is working on, share the spaces, um, you know, get them to come in. We're going to, we're going to unpack a couple things here, but basically from what I saw, a quick overview of this roadmap is currently in development is the AI driven wizard for onboarding carbon credits um, for a kind of alpha private alpha release, which we're going to talk about. Um, also automated ecological pro project proposal generation. And then some stuff that's prioritized for development is user-friendly dashboards for suppliers, um, the beta release of the AI driven wizard for onboarding carbon credits, um, something very interesting, which is the community credits marketplace, also a proof of origin API, real-time chat support, and multi-document wizard generation. And then you guys have planned for development, um, ecological policy tools, um, ecological API for end-to-end -end issuance, audit trail, and marketplace deployment, also policy management through the marketplace, and instant digitization of ecological credit methodologies. So that kind of roadmap that I read through, very interesting. There's a lot to talk about. And I just wanted to target a few, um, a few different things. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you, you know, with this soon to be released roadmap, what aspects um, of the roadmap do you think Hashgraph enthusiasts would find most interesting what do you find most exciting? I know that you're pretty excited about this roadmap. Yeah, I think, okay, so so the structure of the roadmap, so with regards to our roadmap, we basically copy what Hedera, how, how they format stuff, and we've done yeah. that for years because um, trying, to, trying to link everything to quarters sometimes isn't enough time with everything that happens. And so the the view of this roadmap is like a three year kind of wish list of the direction we're heading. Um, and I guess with regards to your question, Brandon, which target audience the head on the Hedera side are we talking developers or kind of more interesting or, or kind of um, other things? Maybe maybe kind of two groups where it's like the the developers. And then the the enthusiasts, right? Maybe folks that are invested in the Dovu project, or people that are really excited and curious to see um, these, you know, what's new, what's coming from Dovu. Yeah, I think I think maybe maybe we'll hit the enthusiasts first because um, this is an item which I kind of do want to touch on um, around token utility. Uh, so unfortunately, not really unfortunately, but I would say the the thing about Davy compared to the 
average, I wouldn't say average, but but the regular Web3 project. Um, by regular Web3, I mean maybe NFTs or wallets or like any, that entire gamut of things is that it's very easy um, to tie, you know, tokens to something like use a token to buy NFTs or use this tokens to access like wallets and stuff. But the, the problem with Devu is that because we're doing something, we're trying to create a solution for something that necessarily isn't for Web3 users, you can't have that. You shouldn't necessarily try to fit the square-shaped Dove token in a round hole. So something like we've always been passionate about is how do we tie tokens to you know usage usage of our platform and so one of the items planned for development is this idea of this charger protocol um, whereby what if you could have for developers a web to interface to your solution but to pay for that you would use a token um, and then you'd have a protocol that would effectively be a smart contract but it would basically track usage, you know? So instead of saying to someone, like like just, just generally, instead of saying use, sign every single transaction, do this, do that, and that's how you pay, you actually say to someone, okay, if you want to use an API or if you want to use our services, you need to deposit tokens into the smart contract. Kind of like how tokens work for AI, right? And you just push up your, and then, and then the uh, protocol or the product just pushes up usage to the smart contract. And because it's so cheap on Hedera to continually or periodically push up stuff to a smart contract, you can get to a situation where you get like a user can deposit stuff and then withdraw it minus their usage for a given platform. And that is something I am excited about because it could potentially open up tokens, di completely different token um, usage verticals tied to traditional Web2 um, users. Okay, real quick. So this is really fascinating. So what you're talking about is, put simply, is, is using these uh, platforms interacting with the protocol. You're going to be performing all sorts of various actions and there's transactions that have to be signed for all of these different things and so you're effectively creating this this new layer almost called charger which is as you described similar to inter, like leveraging a, a gpt api or something where you're making these calls and it's pulling from a balance that you assign to it so that's that's really interesting that removes friction and what you're basically saying is this is a type of layer or a type of framework that isn't just for Dovu, but you you reference more broadly Web2 businesses, yeah. right? So Dovu is one example of how it could be used, but outside of, let's say, an ESG use case or something, maybe what's another example of how this this new charger could be could be leveraged for this this type of use case and removing that type of friction? Any API you could think of. <laughs> 
you know. Oh. Right. Okay. So uh, this is really wide ranging. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, there's there's people talking here. There's people here who aren't developers, of course. Um, but this this is this is where my mind is. You know, any API who wants to token or any service, and I I think you have to be very particular with which of your services are you basically built for. So the way we look at it um is let's say someone uses our service and that call would be to gpt and that has a direct cost to us and so those would be the billable you know usage hours kind of like imagine how hedera sdk works but without signing you know right okay and you just keep an eye on the balance um and obviously, that's something we're going to build up for the future. But if, if we can get that right, or if someone wants to build that and kind of take that over and actually take that as a project, then of course, we'd be completely open to that, you know? Because imagine if you built that protocol. Imagine if you built a SaaS whereby um, Apaches is probably right in the center of building it right now. Uh, imagine if you had a SaaS platform where any protocol could, could connect to you. And then you, they could just push up usage stats and then protocols would just kind of connect to this SaaS or this API itself. And then a, a, a crypto project wouldn't have to care about implementing this thing. All they would have to care about is, okay, we have a token, use this as a service we'll plug into, and then we can basically link our API to token usage without us needing to do any of the security work. So that's amazing. So basically to, to sum it up for, for people is effectively what you've done is if, again, if we use um, OpenAI as an example, I would go to OpenAI, I would put my credit card into their platform and then I would leverage the API and those, those kind of quote unquote micropayments would build up and it would be charged to my credit card. And this is basically just moving it down a layer where it's like, it's not a credit card. It's um, sending a form of crypto to a, a, you know, a smart contract or repository to pay for those calls. So it's, it, it's effectively making this kind of like a, th like a through and through web three um, micropayment use case. So, so folks can access and leverage those APIs right on the protocol. That's so exciting. Like it, 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 you know, this, this charger product definitely feels like it's something that the, that the Hedera ecosystem for sure, um, will grab onto. And, you know, I think, and I go like, Hey, you know, X could use this open AI could use this. Like it, immediately you can start to see the benefits of how APIs in general could, the experience could just be made a little better. And, and you're right. It gives utility to those platform tokens. And I think I'd also add that, you know, this is when we build this out, you know, it will be for our needs and it, there, there will be, you know, instructions to kind of how you can deploy this yourself and work with this. I can't, I can't promise that, that it will be a platform that anyone can plug into. Um, but because of what it could represent and if, if it does excite someone 
and it will be open source. There's no, there's, you know, anyone could take that code and run with it and probably build their own SaaS and optimize it and actually like build something around it. Um, because, you know, it's, 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 un, it's unlikely that we would have the, um, focus because it's all about focus now, you know, it, we shouldn't have the focus to build it out as a SaaS, but when the time comes, if someone else wants to take that and actually run with it, then we would completely support it. I love that. The, and I think again, like at the top of the show, when, when we were talking about what, what Rob Allen was saying, it's like the contributions that you guys are making to, you know, the guardian project, the ecosystem in general, that's just the quality of Dovu that I think some folks can forget is you guys definitely have a business. You guys have a roadmap, you guys have an objective, but a lot of the byproduct of what you guys are doing and of your core values is great contributions to the open source ecosystem on Hedera and, and other networks and for the Guardian project. So um, really appreciate you guys kind of taking that approach. And the next thing on the roadmap, um, and we will, for, for folks listening, we will be talking about the token airdrop stuff and everything like that, the migration. But um, I have one more question on, on the roadmap is the community credits marketplace, because a good portion of your roadmap is dedicated to the supply side but the marketplace facilitates the demand and maybe could you walk us through how this aspect of the project functions because i know that there has been a dovu marketplace people have bought those products and you and you have had those initiatives but this sounds like uh, a little bit of a new beast so i'm curious to learn more about that kind of demand side the marketplace um and and yeah how that kind of works so I think I should probably caveat with this with obviously as it's a private link, the items on the roadmap might be slightly edited or they might be removed if they're not like kind of big enough. Um, community, I think this is a good point is that with the community credits, it's more on the supply side. So when I say community credits, it's the act of taking a Dovu community member or even in this case, a supplier who has gone through all the steps from generating their first document, talking to these different actors to kind of verify their um, ecological project, and then get to a point where it's been given the rubber stamp. And once that has kind of been ledged, um, put on the audit trail, or in other words, the Guardian, to, to that those credits linked to that original source to be put on the marketplace so that anyone can come to the marketplace and actually buy that kind of grassroots homegrown credit. And that's really what that roadmap item represents. And maybe I'll change the language a little bit if it didn't kind of come across as that. So apologies. No, no, that's okay. No, it's an, it's an exciting component. I think that um, the onboarding, the supply, the technology side is so important, but I think that a lot of people in the community, their brain goes to that, what, you know, what can we buy? What can we participate in that? You know, who, who's on that demand side kind of thing. So illustrating that is definitely, um, beneficial. Uh, and, and just on that too, like, you know, the supply versus the demand side and the roadmap really encompassing a lot of the supply side, like, is there any other areas of the project on that kind of demand side um, that 
you want to speak to or 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 kind of elaborate on at all i don't know if if any other of those items on the roadmap um kind of you know address that demand side i think you know generally speaking you need to look at the problem that Dovi was trying to solve or well you know not everywhere like the, the sustainability and carbon credit is such a huge thing not one entity is going to solve every single problem it's impossible but there was a quote from microsoft in their original um document that they published um, i can probably send it to you later and you can kind of publish it but but the microsoft uh, microsoft spent a lot of money producing this document that outlined what a good carbon credit was. And this came out a couple of years ago. And their uh, conclusion was that there was not enough high quality demand, high quality supply even, to meet just the demand of Microsoft, let alone global demand. Um, so it comes to reason that if you can produce supply on scale that is verified, that is additional, that is high quality, and you can prove that, that is more important than trying to find buyers that are already out there. Because the buyers are there. You have the stripes of the world um, who are creating these huge groups to find the highest quality um, supply to, to kind of meet, meet their expectations. You know, when we talk about supply, it's not just farmers, it's not just tree projects, it's everything from biodiversity and all these side benefits to, um, you know, machines that pull carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and inject them underground. Um, these projects have higher permanence. And so, there will always be demand elements to Dover, but the focus is supply because we feel if we get that right, then it will unlock demand. And it's, of course, it's not going to be easy, but we have access to, um, of course, the Hedera Governing Council who need to buy carbon credits themselves. And like like what happened in you know January, um, Hedera bought uh, credits from Dovu for their Davos um, event, and we had um, credits bought from us from I think another governing council for an event in London. So it's all about getting the supply right, and that is the main strategy. And I think everything will come out the back from that. Okay, I love it. And for lack of a better term, this this dovetails perfectly into our next topic. And I think you outlined it pretty well is, um, you know, it's really the, the demand is there and the supply is kind of there. But the issue is, as you've said, you know, building these different layers and policy workflows and all these different things, but Dovu coming in and establishing what that first mile looks like for onboarding these carbon credits. And this brings us to um, a demo that Dovu published very recently that goes through what you've described as 
um, the the kind of type form with AI method for onboarding a carbon credit. And the challenge here is there's um, all sorts of documents, all sorts of methodologies to take into mind. You also in the roadmap reference um, a multi-document wizard. So a lot of paperwork and that stuff takes a lot of time. It creates a big barrier. And from what I saw in the demo video is a, a, a fairly easy to use um, wizard that you enter in information to while being guided by the wizard with tips and different things, entering in that information and then through leveraging, you know, AI, GPT, the um, carbon offset onboarding engine then produces a PDF document that is something sufficient for that carbon credit. And really it's, you know, can you break down the value proposition of what you've created with the carbon offset uh, onboarding system or wizard? I, I prefer the term wizard. It sounds very exciting. Um, and like, who, who is this, who is this for, for folks that might not, not know kind of who this is designed for? Okay. So let's start at the problem. Um, of course, we've talked about high quality supply. They're not being enough. But if we, if, if, if we look at the way carbon is currently onboarded. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. Traditional registries. There are a couple of challenges. As an example, at first it could take 18 to 24 months for a project to go through the application process and to get the rubber stamp and for them to be able to sell credits. It's a horrendous amount of time. Additionally, a new project may have to pay thousands, maybe tens of thousands of dollars to pay the right people, to pay the licensing fees, to do all this kind of stuff. And then, even when they get paid, they may only get 40 to 50% of the value, maybe even less, because middlemen take money. The, um, maybe the registry takes credits as insurance, you know. <laughs> and so, with this as the backdrop, It eliminates probably, let's say, potentially 80 to 90% of people, maybe 95% of new projects to even participate in this market. And so the, the only individuals or the only kind of entities that can do this are projects that have the money, who can pump God knows how much money in, who can actually take two years to actually start a project or like, you know, 18 months to start a project before they get, even get paid. And I find that completely unacceptable. <laughs> and to kind of talk about the demo, it's like, what if we take someone who has just started, who's just trying to understand, they don't need to be at the beginning, but what if we try to create a solution to potentially open it up, make it accessible to the uh, 80 to 95 percent of people that couldn't even make it before so this is what the demo shows anyone can enter they can enter through all their details to create their proposal document 
and it takes all of those um, details that they have in whatever language they have and it could, uh, in total it may only be like four or five hundred words and then it obviously uses the AI engine and the AI engine looks at this in the view of being you know a consultant or a kind of um, carbon credit expert and then rewrites it in this format while still keeping the essence to produce a document that then they can give to you know a verifier or a registry or through our platform when it obviously is built and so that is tremendously valuable by itself that is why i'm excited to release it this week Okay, so this is so this is kind of the private alpha you're talking about. Is 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 this week? Um, you're going to be are so are you, do you, are you saying that this week folks are going to be able to try out this carbon offset onboarding wizard in a in a private alpha? No, what I mean is obviously the demo you saw is the precursor to the ability to do that more than anything else, um, and. Yeah, um, once once we're ready and we're live, that is going to be the alpha. Like basically, what you see in the demo, right? Okay. Come in and like play and generate their own documents and see if it is useful. That's amazing. Okay, and and something specific that you said there that I think really ties into the point you made referencing Microsoft, which was Microsoft saying, you know, there's not enough supply for our one business, let alone um, the demand for carbon offset credits in general and so you specifically stating you know 90 to 95 percent of that theoretical supply can't even make it into that market just because there's so many barriers and so much overhead required to do that and so much time um what you're saying is by dovu stepping out in front and getting at that entryway and and as you said laying out that first mile Hope what you're hoping to do is get that surge of supply coming in from people that have that quality product that folks are looking for, but just don't have the resources to go through an incredibly strenuous process. It's it's just about changing the process and and having that inflow of, of quality product. That's kind of how I'm putting this together. That's kind of what gets me excited. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And I think if we take it a step further. Obviously, you know, like all these things, it takes a long time um, to adjust and pivot and change. Like, God knows, I don't know how many times Dave has pivoted. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's worth also noting that for the product teams and for developers, this is where the whole charger concept comes into place, is that once we have done, once we have built this out, the entire platform what if that wasn't what what if that was the api what if that was connected to the right token, you know right that makes then, sense so what you're saying is you would to use this um you know this this carbon offset onboarding this this is this is the 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 tool that you would put a balance of dove token or whatever into that smart contract and it would use that balance so you could leverage this tool and run through this process exactly and right 
it won't just be the onboarding, but it will be the entire life cycle of ecological green carbon credits, um, the ability to manage everything for any any kind of person who's involved to actually use the underlying debris infrastructure. You, you, can you imagine like, you know, the network layers, obviously of like, you know, Hedera is positioned as, you know, your, your kind of network and stuff. But the thing about Debu is like, we want to be the API that people can plug into. And not only developers, but verifiers or people that run carbon projects by the, through the creation of effectively a custom language. So they can create their own policies. They can manage their own policies. They can bring people in. And of course, that's the dream. You want this, I want this product, this service to be accessible and usable for anyone. Fantastic. Now, I want to go into, because again, talking about AI, very fascinating topic and this is obviously a product that leverages ai can can we kind of like like unpack a little bit about how ai is leveraged in this how you are getting some of the the results that you're getting and and kind of what you've done to leverage gpt in this um this onboarding wizard because it is very impressive you're presented with um all sorts of different fields putting in information anyone familiar with gpt you know you can feed it bits of information give it a persona and a task and a specific format that you want you can provide it maybe examples and it can spit things out but you're throwing it into a pdf you have all these moving parts i'm, I'm curious if you can maybe to kind of unpack the behind the scenes of how this thing actually actually functions how many people in the call that are, who will learn our trade secrets? Okay, let's do this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so many AI products almost so almost have like a single input and produce like something. And um, obviously, a lot of the coffee cap ones are very much like you know system message based, saying you will act as a photographer and you will tell me the exact aperture of it. You know all that nonsense, right? Um, but the way that we've approached using AI here is to obviously set the system message. You'd say you're going to act in the role of being, you know, this carbon credit expert who knows side benefits. Because obviously, with the learning, uh, with with the model, it has backdated knowledge. And think I think until like 2021. Um, and so there's a, it has a lot of knowledge of what you're trying to get out of it anyway. And so what we do is say, okay, do this. Um, and then we basically say to it, we're going to continually provide you an input. And, but what you need to do is remember all the input. And so the next questions you answer, you basically retain all the history of the knowledge and the context of the project. So every single question as you read through should get richer and richer because it has the previous context. Um, there are oh, some... okay. That's yeah. interesting. Right. And so there, there are, we're kind of pushing it to its limit because we can't take the entire, we can't take all the document, we can't take all the documentation, all the documents and actually stick it in because it will just break. So you need to make summaries midway through 
and do some magic on the back end in order for it to continually understand what the context is and for it to actually say stay sane. Um, and at the end, um, it will you know produce this overview. So if you see the document, this overview, which is like, I don't know, 200, 200 words long or whatever, and that's the overview of the entire project. And then all the questions are all the um, rewritten and reformatted stuff that someone has inputted. Um, but we have written it in a way that allows us to scale to any question set for any kind of document template. Um, and so, yeah, and, yeah um, I'm, I'm, we're pretty consistent with GPT-4 now, even with the lower context window. Just said words. Patches knows what this means, and you know what this means. <laughs> it's funny that most of the developers that are that would be listening to this show aren't tuning in live. They're probably going to be listening on Spotify or whatever later. Um, so don't don't worry if if we get a little technical. Um, and I'm sure that Patches is jotting notes as we speak. But I'm curious too. So you've got the form, you put the information in, you get the PDF. All that stuff is good, and then. In, in the kind of greater onboarding process, where does the tokenization come into play? And you also in the demo speak about a, uh, that dashboard, right? The supplier dashboard. So I'm curious on those two fronts, where, you know, where tokenization comes in during the onboarding process, besides kind of that charger component, and then also um, that, that supplier dashboard aspect. I'm very curious to learn a little more about that. And to confirm tokenization, do you mean the credit itself or do you mean more on the Adobe side? Um on the on on the 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 credit creation, like the 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 la the former that you mentioned. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll I'll continue to I'll I'll go into depth about that. And so obviously, um those of who have watched the demo, we as it stands, we have this initial kind of lead magnet generation, marketing speak, <laughs> where this document is sent, and it stops there because obviously we we haven't we're currently building the rest out. But the view is to reduce the friction for suppliers completely. So instead of staying to a supplier, imagine you're a supplier, you're sitting there, you're probably a bit anxious, you're probably a bit nervous. Um, you don't know what's going on because this is new to you. You 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 want to be reassured, and so at the end of the process, you get invited to basically join the platform. And by doing that, you would get access to all the verifiers, all the data providers, potentially all the kind of consultants that can help you um, within your carbon credit journey. And so by by joining the dashboard and by kind of approving your document instead of you having to reach out to service providers or verifiers or you know MR, general MRV companies they will reach they'll, they'll look at your detail your, your proposal they'll read it and they'll actually come back to you to kind of remove friction and so from the tokenization point of view it's all about these different entities these these different actors reaching consensus, as in deciding, oh, is this project worthwhile? What what additional data do they need? And so I'm gonna quickly nod to the multi-generated, multi-document wizard. 
the ability to generate different documents based off particular question sets for particular needs that need to be met um, within the demo. I note on a methodology or side benefits as an example. And so once there is a consensus, that's when the tokenization would happen. And then the verifiers over time, be it, you know, a self-serve kind of uh, measurement of carbon yourself through something like agricultural farm tool or satellite imagery or IoT or anything you can divide or anything you can imagine that is more verifiable, they can come into play and um, stamp out how much carbon um, you have in the ground that you are able to sell. Um, I like one thing Dovu has has built up kind of silently because it's super, super nerdy is <laughs> there is basically three stages. Um, if, if you think about kind of the tokenization of these assets, you have the project uh, registration and the importance there is to extract all the high, highest quality details you can. Because if you think about the network broadly in the Guardian ecosystem, there are going to be exchanges and they're going to be verifiers and there are going to be other things who are looking for particular um, fields, properties that are regarded as higher value. Um, so you want to make sure that data has been sanitized at that point. Secondly, you would have something like a site registration. And so this would be the location of the farm or the location of the project or any of those details. And as before, you need to know location, you need to know, you know, all those sort of more things. And then finally, you would have the verifier stage or the measurement report and verification stage, which would be the process of an entity looking at a project, doing the measurements and then send it to you in a secure way the proof of origin API, or you measure it yourself and they verify a stamp on it. And that's where the credit is minted and then available to sell. And our role at Dovu is to facilitate those communications, um, to bring people together, to make it easier than ever before, to um, create these assets and manage them. Love it. And just before we move on to the token airdrop migration stuff, because I got a few questions on that um, and really appreciate your time, Matt, like just on the on the onboarding component, um, if, you know, for anybody interested, what's the best way for them to get involved with this and get in line for that, you know, that private alpha and the beta and all those different types of things? Watch the demo of me talking about my ducks for 20 minutes. You love it, Nash. <laughs> um, if it, I, I, I released the landing page, I think it's 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 on um Twitter. I, I think I put um, you can you can you can put it up if you want. Um, Bradley, yeah, but we'll find it. Really, will. Yeah, if if you like what we're doing and you just want to be part of the alpha and you want to play with it, um, even if you want to try to break the thing, like honestly, come on. Um, you can sign up there and everyone that makes it to the wait list will have basically an invite to play with the thing and try to break it and, you know, all the kind of fun stuff. Um, obviously if you try to abuse the system, then we may have to remove you, unfortunately. Um, but this is really the time for people to come and play 
with it and produce these different assets and kind of start building bridges and relationships with people who are going to take um, build a bit. I love it. That's awesome. And uh, real quick, just before we get into the last part of this interview, I <clears throat> just wanted to to mention, you know, the Hashgraph Enthusiast Show averages about 500 listeners every week on Spaces and hundreds more on podcast platforms. Um, and over the years, I've covered every major Hedera news event, unpacked almost every juicy rumor, and hosted countless of in-depth discussions with important figures in the Hedera ecosystem like Matt. Um, and I've been able to broadcast it live with all you guys. So if you'd like to support the show, consider making an HBAR contribution like many folks in the community have already been doing, even a few bucks add up. Um, you know, as I said, the show's going through changes, it's growing, it's been split into two shows, right? Interviews and news. I'll be getting some new equipment soon. Shout out to Fatboy listening right now um, with the recommendations that I've chatted with him about in regards to like the, the mixing console and podcasting mic and stuff. So improvements are coming. We're getting close to the the uh, the goals for that. So you can send a contribution to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. Um, fun memos are appreciated. I love reading those. Um, and the show's full Hedera addresses in the podcast, show notes, YouTube description, um, and all that good stuff. So get all the info you need about the show at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. Also, leave a rating and review for the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. Leave a comment on YouTube. That really helps the show. Um, the Hedera community is still small, but we are growing, and I'm trying to do my part with this show. So... Um, also, I mean, you know, Galaxy, tips on Galaxy, anything appreciated. Brought to you by listeners like you. Now, I want to get into probably the most important aspect of the show. Dovu is going through a big change. Um, for folks unfamiliar, <clears throat> the original Dove token, which I believe is an ERC-20 token, was created long before the Hedera token service existed. So the current, um, you know, Dovu token that you have in your wallet um, is ported over to HC HTS. Um, and recently there's been an announcement um, by Dovu that there's going to be kind of an airdrop migration. There's going to be a new token created um, instead of, you know, DOV, it'll be DOVU. Um, the, there's, a, there's an adjustment in the supply. There is a plan for it. Uh, a timeline was recently published in the Dovu Discord. So I want to talk about this with Matt. Um, I have a bunch of questions for him, and they're pre they're pretty straightforward. But I think it'll be great for the community and anyone invested in the project to kind of get ready for this for this major major transition. Um, so, can you give us just a quick rundown of what prompted the shift from Dove to Dovu tokens? Well, I think so. Yeah, you're you're completely right. I mean, the the the, the Dave token. I mean, obviously, it's Dave and Al. Everyone sell. You know, it's done. No, <laughs> um, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, 2017, the, the token was released. Richard's uh, 1.2 billion tokens, all this kind of stuff, and so much has happened over the years. Um, but unfortunately. With everything happening and us trying all the different all the different networks, 
you know, your BSE, your Polygon, your Ethereum, your Adara now, there has been significant risk to obviously the project and, and the community. Um, more recently, um, we had the bridge for the Ethereum to Binance Smart Chain is Poly Network. And they had a hack in early July for probably 30, let's be dramatic, let's say hundreds of millions of dollars because the main numbers were good. And so unfortunately, Deju was part of that attack. Um, and effectively what happened is you have the way the bridges work traditionally is you have all your tokens minted on a network, let's say a billion, make it easy. And then on, on another network like Binance, you have another billion. And the bridge is supposed to keep things secure on each side so that if you transfer tokens to Binance, the bridge should keep that safe. And you should always be able to jump back because it's backed and then bring, bring your tokens back. Now, what has happened, um, and that's happened to many bridges, is that um, they suffer from either underflow or overflow issues, whereby if you try to add a small amount of value on the bridge, then you can basically screw with a smart contract and steal unbacked funds. And... <laughs> Which what happened with the Poly Network is you have this effectively an exploiter who managed to extract around 33 million DOE tokens from the Poly Network bridge into their Ethereum wallet in early July. And they have been basically sell pressure um, selling, you know, hundreds of thousands here, hundreds of thousands there. They basically got to a point where they, I think, I think they sold four to five million in total. But the concern, of course, many concerns. One of the big issues is that those people who are on Binance are stuck on Binance. They can't get back to Ethereum. They can't get to Hedera. So they're basically decoupled completely. And because we have, are using all these other bridges, What's going to happen with the next bridge? You know, and these these are risks that I am sick of, and I do not want this to carry on. And this individual with the thirty million dollars or whatever, you know, we're basically blacklisting them and reissuing everything on Hedera, and moving forward only using one bridge, Hashport for all EVM connections. Uh, we have a wonderful relationship um, with Jesse um, under the team at Hashbot, and I've gone over their code with a fine tooth comb um, as much as I can, and I'm confident that they're at a much lower risk of hacking. He says, who knows what will happen next year. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, and so that's really what prompted it. Um, we are serious about, of course, yeah. we want to deliver a product, um, this whole carbon supply um, product. We want to be the infrastructure for ecological credits 
for, dig for digitizing these assets. And to do that, we need to have control on the DOE token. We need to start fresh. And that is the decision why. That makes sense. And just and just maybe to add to that is, is this a situation where um, there, there, there wasn't really a plan to migrate off of the existing token? Um, or is it a situation where there is there there was a plan eventually to migrate and start fresh, but this situation has just kind of expedited it. Like, is this is this something where you guys weren't originally planning to migrate to HTS, or is it just a plan that's been pushed forward and expedited? You know, of course we had um, Dove HTS. Um, well, I think we're probably one of the first tokens to bridge. I think we were the first token to bridge. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. But it was always in the back of our mind that it's something we wanted to do, um, in particular with the supply. But additionally, one of the issues with how Hashport is set up, and this is obviously not their fault at all, is that you can go to, you know, Hashscan to look at the Dovu HTS token. And you can see that there is an admin key and there is a supply key. And I've been very unhappy with that. Um, and it's no one's fault because that's how bridges work. You know, you need to, <laughs> if somebody says sends tokens over the bridge, you need to mint tokens. Of course, that makes sense. But um, that, has, that has caused us issues for exchanges. You know, we have been denied centralized we have to been denied exchanges in the past obviously i won't name names because of this key issue and so by starting starting fresh it benefits us um, the community and to actually have a truly immutable token um yeah yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's about removing any of those barriers, making the token more accessible. I hundred percent. And I think the one thing, a huge aspect to this, and something that's on a lot of people's minds is the new Dovu token supply will be increased to ten billion. And I think you know, folks are curious, kind of, what's the rationale behind this significant increase? Yeah, um, I definitely go into that. Like I said to you earlier, um, Brandon, we could talk about this for hours. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so it all ties back to product. It all ties back to our solution. There are estimates that the voluntary carbon market and related um, eco assets or whatever you want to call them could be worth anywhere from, you know, a trillion to ten trillion dollars by twenty fifteen. And if our vision, as our company, is to really provide value to this market, we need that amount of supply. If you consider, for instance, Adara, they have fifty billion tokens, because. They want to serve in, you know, a trillion dollar market. And to do that, because through their SDKs, they have no fixed costs 
um, low price in USD, you need that effectively that size, that that bandwidth of fractionalization in order to support um, low fees for a very, very long time, you know? And so it's very much the same opinion with Dovey is that um, this has the potential to be huge. But by setting up the token now and doing it properly, we can ensure that we won't need to swap tokens again for um, a very long time, if, if ever. It's all about, uh, yeah, it's all about those fixed costs, low and fixed costs. Yeah, and, and, and this is something Lehman spoke to specifically. I can't remember what interview this was a part of, but he referenced kind of, you know, originally they were just pulling a number out of thin air of how many H bar they would need. They I, I think they originally wanted to start with 50 million or something like that, or some much smaller number. And there was the concern because the token has eight decimal places. And as you've said as well, those low fixed fees of, of the Hedera network, you could get into a situation where the demand is high enough for H bar and the token price goes high enough that you will run out of decimal places that you won't be able to have, you know, uh, you know, go lower. You won't, you won't be able to have a low enough denomination. So their decision was to mint instead 50 billion to ensure that headroom. So what you're saying here is along that same thinking of if we have a billion Dovu as it is, and we have those eight decimal places, are we going to have enough decimal places as the demand increases for, you know, as you've pointed out, a multi-trillion dollar market potentially. So by increasing the supply by 10x, you are creating that headroom so you don't, you know, run out of decimal places. And and anyone can kind of infer what they want from that. Uh, but that's something Lehman said. I'm curious if it's kind of if if that's that if if that's a similar um thought process for you guys. It is. And you know, and I'm, and obviously this is um and also I'll add on a personal note and not related to um you know me as being involved in Dovu is that it makes it more fun as like someone getting Dove tokens because it's like I remember when I got my first a hundred thousand H bar or something or two hundred thousand H bar, you know. You know, and, 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 and that is so much that's such a lot. Yeah, we, we like big numbers. Degenerates like big numbers, you know. And so like if you're playing with it and then you're you're interacting with our ecosystem, you know, you could have like a million Dave, Dovu even. And you know, it's kind of fun. It's it, having bigger numbers is more fun. Um obviously that's silly and it is nonsense, but it's it, it is part of it, I think, from the kind of um token kind of point of view but you know you're completely right from a kind of serious product point of view um it's all about matching um our ambition to decimal places because you know with hedera you only go to eight on ethereum you go all the way to 18 um so that's a huge um, disparity in um, fractionality Right. You don't want the token price to go too low um, or, or too high or yeah. So that's, that's interesting. And then, so can you explain how the new Dovu tokens will be distributed in proportion to current Dove holdings and 
How does this affect users who hold their tokens in liquidity pools? Oh, liquidity pools is going to be a tricky one. Um, so the liquidity pools is going to be a bit trickier because of, of course, the, the nature of pools of that is always going to rebalance and knowing exactly how much Dave will go to a single person. It's going to be a bit tricky. So the, the, the general recommendation for liquidity pools, well, I wouldn't say recommendation, but if you want to be part of the snapshot um, before the 11th um, of September, is to actually remove liquidity just so you're you're, you're part of the snapshot. Um, otherwise, you'd have to kind of contact us directly and then we can handle that ourselves and things. But for me, it's more of a lower risk because there's going to be a finite amount of um, it's going to be a lower amount of liquidity providers compared to, um, you know, your usual holder. So that is like something that we will work on when appropriate. Um, in terms of distribution, um, from the, on the Hedera side, just associate the new token when it comes out next week. Um, once you've associated, we can send the tokens to you. And the way it works is if you have 1% of supply today, you will get one supply, 1% of supply of the new Davey tokens. Um, what's actually kind of cool is because um, it's going from 170 million to, you know, 10 billion, it'll be like a 10.5x or 10.1x or something. So your 9.7 million Dove will end up being 100 million Dove, you know. <laughs> some, some nonsense. Right. Okay. So you are going to create um, many Dovillionaires overnight. Mm, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so that, that is, I mean, this is it. Like, it is a bit of fun, obviously. It, it will be. Imagine waking up one day and checking your MetaMask or your Hatchpark and your suddenly Dovillionaire or whatever. Um, for the EVM side, it's actually dreadfully simple. Um, and I'm not going to go into the detail of it on this conversation because there is a slight loophole we have found in Hedera and we want to take advantage of it before um, people discover it too much. Um, but basically, we figured out a way to get Dove tokens directly to someone's account without any association, without anything. Um, and so all they do is switch their networks and MetaMask and they have their tokens in their wallet. Oh wow! Okay, so some 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 black magic happening um, behind the scenes to 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 pull this off, um, and and you specifically mentioned this and 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 for again for folks unfamiliar with this, um, this is like a a proposal for that was voted on um, through Dobu's governance kind of DAO platform, which is leveraging oh the creators galaxy stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. We need to touch on this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, of course. So much has been going on, Brandon. We need to catch up more frequently. I know, I know. What are we doing? What's going on? Anyway, so we, I think we did the snapshots. Uh, so the way the governance works um, the, with the Galaxy system is it basically takes a snapshot of all tokens at the point of proposal. So that no one can basically move around tokens and do these certain things. Um, and at that point, we had something like 245 million Dove actually on Hedera. So those are the Dove that could act, that those holders, those are the ones that could actually vote 
which is kind of interesting because it means the exploiter was instantly removed from the ability to vote anyway. Oh, wow. Um, okay, so what you're saying is right from the get-go, doing that sneaky snapshot and getting that vote out, the, the, the exploiter just, there's no opportunity for them to participate in that vote. Exactly. Right. right. Um, and it ended at, I believe, 36.5 million in approved and half a million denied. So it was like a 99 to one to one ratio, uh, which is insane. And it's worth noting that none of the team members, including the debut treasury, voted. Um, we didn't abstain, but none of those accounts voted. So that's uh let's say 12 13 let's say 13 12 to 14 percent that was all community all, all all governance by the community um and that actually makes me very proud because of course we've been building we've been silent but the fact that um the community really wanted this to move forward and we got so many people coming in and unfortunately not everyone could vote because they were either using like other wallets or um like all these kind of things um but yeah that is that is a lot of people to actually you know vote and i think i i reckon out of everything uh, every vote that has been used through the galaxy system that's probably the largest one um in terms of uh actual votes that have happened and engagement so i'm very um happy how how, how it was turned out that's awesome. And then, so just as, as we, as we approach, um, you know, the end of this here, the, the, the schedule has been published. The migration schedule has been published to the Dovu discord. Um, and it's outlined as follows. So on the 5th of September, which is Tuesday next week, um, that's when you guys will be minting the 10 billion Dovu from the treasury account, um, ensuring it's immutable is no keys. Um, and that's when the token ID will be shared with the community and it can be associated and you will have engagements with sauce or swap and other stakeholders, including the creation of a head starter sentinel report. Um, so getting some of those ducks in a row, haha, <laughs> duck. Um, and then on, uh, September, um, 11th, the Monday, that's when you're going to be capturing the comprehensive snapshot of all the addresses, um, and all the addresses and accounts will be processed and prime for import. And then you're gonna be publishing a blog post called Upgrade Your Dove to Dovu. Um, and that will cover kind of all the key points. So it really, it's, you know, Monday, September 11th, that's when people are gonna to wanna to really tune in and understand exactly what's happening um, after associating. And then on the 12th, the following day, the Tuesday, um, that's when the initial airdrops will commence, um, which will include the EVM airdrop and the Hedera airdrop. So really, Next week, it's go time, right? And the following week is when you need to be ready to go. So um, that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and um, we decided to basically reduce the time between um, the snapshot and the airdrop because we just want to keep engagement going strong. We don't want to wait a week and kind of sit on our hands a little while, you know. So um, that's, that's, that's basically where we are with it. Um, we might start airdropping on Monday. It depends on where we are, but the goal is what's been set in the timelines anyway. Um, and just really focus on it being an airdrop instead of direct transfers, just so it's as safe as, for everyone as possible. Yeah, that's a great point. And then 
just to, just maybe a last question on this is um, the proposal talks about not enforcing the complete retirement of the old Dove token, right? The ERC twenty token. Can you discuss the philosophy behind this discussion? Like, what are the plans for the old, uh, the soon to be old and rusty ERC twenty Dove token? Yeah, so the plans are, you know, we don't want to support anymore, but the community can support it in any way they can. Um, and so as, as as a product, it's all about um, the new Dobu token, and that is our main focus. But if the community wants to um, use the old Dove, whatever means they want, they, they can so wish. But it's important for us to kind of start fresh um, and really kind of kick it off strong okay i love that i think that there can be many memes and there can be fun i think that's just a general um sense that i get from this interview matt is like as serious as things are and as many headwinds as um you know dovu and yourself and other projects in the ecosystem need to endure and you know all these different things there especially with Dovu and a lot of projects that we love, there's this common thread throughout of fun, right? A lightheartedness, a part of that kind of Web3 crypto culture um, that I really appreciate because a lot of this stuff is very technical. It's very outside of the realm of people's knowledge. I'm still learning about a lot of these different things, but um, a big part of that brand and a big part of the reason why um, folks are very interested in the Dovu project is because um, of yourself and and that dedication to keeping things as lighthearted as possible, having fun whenever possible. Um, so I think that that's the sense I get from this is this could be really heavy and taken like super seriously, but um, you know there is a there is a great lightheartedness to it. So um, oh we uh, we uh, had Matt. Uh, pop off, Matt. You just you you uh, you just missed um, me uh, complimenting you and all those different types of things. So um, I won't repeat myself, but I was complimenting you and and just the uh, the dedication of you have to kind of like fun and injecting that kind of community into the project. I think you're a big reason that a lot of people um, you know align with Dovu. So just a shout out to you in particular in navigating all these headwinds. Well, uh, thank you for that. I'm sorry I dropped off. I must have lost signal for a sec. But yeah, um, this has been a really great uh, chat conversation with you. Okay, so one conversation down and a hundred more to go. Before I share my quick final thoughts on everything, a huge shout out to everyone listening live on Spaces right now. Another shout out to everyone listening to the recording on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And an extra shout out to all the supporters of the show. The contributions mean so much. Um, and a big shout out to Matt Smith. He's from Dovu. And I mean, my takeaway from this is that the carbon offset market, the ESG, refi, all these different things that are being talked about and really go, go at the heart of what Hedera is focused on, the Guardian ecosystem, all these different things. And from all the interviews that I've done around this, um, where my head is at is we're in a really interesting place. And there, as you know, as Matt said, there's a multi-trillion dollar industry um, about to be realized and filled with all sorts of products that are going to have a price that needs to be found. 
and a lot of the culture and and ways that that web3 collectors and traders and and dgens operate that little engine is going to help a lot of this move forward so um and, and also too it's basically helping solve issues with climate change going for sustainability making the world a better place to live so it's one of those things that seems too good to be true, but um, I get the sense more and more that it's too good not to be true. Um, and I think that Matt did a great job of illustrating that Dovu is a part of a big ecosystem that's going to be dealing with so many different aspects of this new multi-trillion dollar industry. And Dovu specifically going after eliminating barriers and making it really easy for people on the supply side to participate. So the Microsofts of the world can get those products that they really um, are demanding. Um, and, you know, maybe they, you know, join the governing council as well. That's, uh, I've seen so many connections and Microsoft brought up so many times and I've, I've, you know, it's like at this point, it's like, oh my God, I could see them joining the governing council, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day with myself. Um, but Matt, I wanted to just give you the 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 last the last uh, opportunity here to kind of give any shout outs or any other information you think people should know um, or any message for the community. Um, feel free. So yeah, I just want to obviously, you know, there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes, and I just want to thank obviously my team. Um, so you got Justin, John, of course, Alvaro, of course, Kraus. And um, and also of course the community members at Dove, um, Dovu, who have given us a lot of support. Um, and I'm really excited about the future, and I really hope that um, you are too. And if you if you need if you want to follow along, please just follow along. But if you want to get more involved, then then let us know. Um, we're always looking for people to help. You know, on Discord or um, kind of help spread the load really because there is a lot going on. Um, so like if you want to be involved more closely and actually be part of um, Dove in smaller ways, let, let us know and we'll be happy to have a chat with you. Um, so yeah, I just want to say thank you to everyone and thank you for hearing me ramble for the last hour and a half with um, Brandon. I told you, Brandon, it was going to be a few hours. And... Um... <laughs> I um, love it. I love it. It's great. You know, um, and we didn't we we didn't really cover a lot of stuff anyway, to be honest. So <laughs> yeah, barely barely anything. Like when we talk about some ducks and an old token that's going to go away. Like I mean, how do we spend so much time on that? No one should watch. No one should listen. Which is just a waste of time at this point. Um, but yes, thank you ever so much, uh, Brandon, for inviting me on again. And um. Thank you for everyone for listening. Right on. Okay, so that's a wrap for the Hashgraph Enthusiast Show, episode 90, an interview with Matt Smithy, CTO at Dovu, live on Spaces and available on all major podcast platforms. Stay tuned next week for my next guest interview. I have it booked. It is a guest that I don't know that a lot of people in the Hedera ecosystem have heard from, but somebody 
that I think a lot of people will want to hear from. So stay tuned for that. I've got it scheduled for next Friday. Um, also make sure to catch the weekly Hashgraph Enthusiast News every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, live on Spaces, and in all those other podcast places. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, you can send an HBAR donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. Any support appreciated. Um, get all the info you need about the show at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. And as usual, for everyone listening right now, if you see somebody listening and you recognize them, but you haven't talked in a little bit, hit their profile picture in the spaces, send them a DM, ask them what's new. I guarantee you they got something new going on. If you see someone that you don't know, you already have something in common. You've been listening to Matt and I ramble on for a couple hours. So um, hit them up, send them a DM, introduce yourself. That's what this is all about is connection. And with that, hello future, goodbye past. <laughs>